0: Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Hey, that's right. Hey, we're excited to share from God's word this morning. And hey, Pastor Paul, it's great to have you and everybody back. Thank you for sharing what happened at camp and uh, church. Thank you for praying and supporting our students here at First Assembly. That's awesome to hear what God's already doing in their lives and already doing through Pastor Paul and camp. And so, uh, man, I'm excited to share from God's Word this morning. Again, uh, continue to keep Pastor Jeff in prayer. He'll be back this week from vacation. So again, glad that he can uh, get away, get some time, but he'll be back on Tuesday. And so uh, this series has been awesome. And uh, before I tell you what we're talking about, I want to share a quick story, something that I got to do last year. Um, it was a, something I was really passionate about that I finally got to fulfill last year in 2021. I love going to New York, and I love going to the city and it 's a hobby of mine to take pictures like just new york city photography it 's just like a hobby of mine and it kind of has developed a little bit into a, a passion and you know i do I do some stuff with pictures every year, but i 've always wanted the money shot of New York. The money shot is the shot of downtown New York City, and like you you know i 've seen it anywhere you can buy a picture of it or something, but anytime I see it like I want to buy it, but more than that, I'm like, no, I want to be the one who takes it. That's how I feel. I want to take it, and I want to print it out and blow it up and hang it up somewhere. That's been something for the last few years I've really wanted to do. I started, you know, I'd be looking at deals all the time to try to get in a helicopter and take that picture. So... Last year, I finally was able to do it. Rebecca and I went, and this is us on the helicopter ride. It was crazy, And I went all the way. I did like doors off, full experience. It was like a half hour, which it, it flew by. Literally, it flew by. That's, you know, uh, no pun intended there. But it was an amazing time, one of the most thrilling experiences of my life. And uh, yes, I actually did get it. This is the money shot that I took with my phone, actually. I took this with my phone. I was so happy to get this picture finally, something I was passionate about for a long time, finally was able to fulfill it. And it's hanging up in my office now. And I was, um, I, like, when I first hung it up, I was telling everybody, Carlos, the treasurer, came by. I was like, hey, you want to, like, uh, check out this picture in my office? <laughs> like, I was, like, telling everybody about it. And You know, even now, when somebody, people will come in, they say, Hey, where'd you get that? And I love being able to say, I took it. I'm the one that took it. And so it was a hobby that really became a passion, and I'm really enthusiastic, obviously, to talk about it. And that's actually our topic today. We're talking about enthusiasm. We're talking about enthusiasm uh, today as part of our series. We've had so many great topics already with, you know, uh, gratitude confidence, optimism, encouragement at such an important time, you know, really to talk about what God's Word says about these things. And so today we're talking about enthusiasm. In 1 Corinthians 15, we'll be here a little bit um, today throughout the uh, message. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, he says, Paul says, So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord For you know, nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Nothing you do for the Lord. And man, I'm really passionate about, yeah, New York photography. I was really enthusiastic to share about what happened on the helicopter for me, you know. And how much more spiritually with things. You know, I really believe that as Christians, we should be the most passionate people on the planet. That's how it should be for us as Christians, The word enthusiasm, if we talk about what it means, you know, okay, be excited, right, sure, those types of things, but the etymology of the word, how the word is built, where does it actually come from? Enthusiasm comes from Greek entheos, and if you know the word theology, right, that's view of God, theology, theo is God. And theos, it means in God, or to be filled with God enthusiasm is to be filled with God. That's the building block. That's the foundation of that word. Man, always be enthusiastic in whatever you do serving the Lord. As Christians, we should be the most passionate people on the planet. When you know Christ has set you free from your sin, when you know he has set you free from addiction, when you know where your eternal hope is, man, you should be enthusiastic. But I know it's not always that way, right? It's not always that way. That's the truth. You know, you might be here today and you might remember a time when you were more enthusiastic, but maybe it's faded a little bit. I think uh, really the last two years, it's been pretty easy to see that enthusiasm fade when it comes to serving the Lord. And um, you know, if you're taking notes, it's kind of the first thing to write down. This is the question that really we're going to be answering today, is how do I get my passion back? Okay, always work enthusiastically for the Lord. Not just sometimes, not when you feel like it, but always, all the time. But for you, you might not be at that place. Maybe you remember a time when it felt like God's voice was leading you. You felt God's presence. Even this morning, somebody was telling me about when they first came to the Lord and and being at the altar and, 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 wow, sensing God's presence in a powerful way, even struggling to find words about it. Or maybe you feel like it's kind of been a while since you felt that way. Or reading God's Word. I don't know if you've ever experienced when you're reading God's Word and and it kind of feels like the words are jumping off the page. It's amazing, like it's speaking to you, but that hasn't been happening for you lately. Maybe it's been a chore even just to kind of open it and try to read something, you know. Whatever it may be, you feel that your enthusiasm for God has waned, even going to church. Maybe you don't come with a particular expectation. You just come because you're supposed to come. And so if you've noticed your enthusiasm or your passion has waned, I want to speak to you today because, you know what, I believe that following God is the greatest thing you can do with your life. Some people think that following God is really lame. Some people think that following God is really not that exciting, but it really is. It's not always easy. It's not always easy. But following God, man, it's one of the best things you can do. It is the best thing you can do with your life. And so the scripture I want to read from today, the other scripture that we'll be in this morning, I believe that these words have life and divine power because they are the words of Jesus. I didn't come up with this. These are Jesus' words, and when we first read them, you may not think that this is going to help you to get your passion back. How do I get my passion back? How do I serve God with enthusiasm? This may seem counterintuitive, but stick with me. It's going to make sense. I believe that this is what will help you to discover or rediscover passion in your life. In Matthew 16, 25, Jesus says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find it. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give it up for my sake, you'll find it. Now, that may may not seem like the way to find passion again, but here's kind of the answer. How do I get my passion back? Focus on your calling, rather than your comfort. And really, I'm just saying kind of what Jesus said in different words just for today, for our sermon today. But Jesus said it. If you try to hang on to your life, you lose it. But if you lose it for my sake, if you give it up for my sake, you will save it. You will find it. Focus on your calling rather than your comfort. What's the context of Jesus saying this verse? It seems kind of intense. It seems kind of heavy. Well, Jesus is with his disciples. And his disciples are used to, anytime they're around Jesus, life is pretty good. Anytime they're around Jesus, there are large crowds, there's remarkable miracles, there's impressive debates. It seems like anytime you hang around Jesus, like you're winning. Everything's going great. And so now at this point, Jesus takes them to a place called Caesarea Philippi, which, by the way, if you come to our Israel trip next year in February, we are going to go there. But he takes him to Caesarea Philippi, and he says, hey, who do people say that I am? And, And Peter says, you're the Christ, you're the Holy One of God. And he says, Peter, yes, God has revealed this to you. I'm going to build my church upon you. You used to be called Simon. Now you're Peter. You're the rock I'm going to build my church on. But then Jesus starts to say that things are going to shift. That actually things are going to take a dark turn. And so in Matthew 16, 21, he says, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly it's necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, teachers of religious law. He would be killed. But on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him, saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. But Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. And then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your own cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And Jesus, when he says, get behind me, Satan, you know, he's channeling the temptation he had. Jesus, he's used to it too. He's got the fame and the popularity, but now he knows what's before him. He's tempted to stay comfortable as well. You think he wanted to go to the cross and die? That doesn't sound like something you want to sign up for. And so he's, he's, uh, he's recalling his temptation in the wilderness. Get behind me, Satan. That's why he says that. And again, Peter's life, along with the other disciples, their lives all got better. Their lives all became more comfortable following Jesus. Peter was a fisherman. He probably couldn't read or write. You know, he's low on the social ladder. And now people, he's he's part of, he's talking to the religious leaders, the powerful people. People are donating to the ministry. His life's gotten more comfortable. And wait, Jesus, you're saying it's going to get dark? It's going to get hard? I thought you were here to make my life more comfortable, uh, make my life easier. But Jesus says, focusing on your comfort, that's a human point of view. That's not God's point of view. Focus on your calling, not just your comfort. You know, our society, more and more, we're we're being uh, pressed to be self-focused and to focus on our own personal comfort, right? I mean, just uh, this week I saw a Grubhub commercial now delivering convenience, you know? That's what it is. Our whole society is about convenience, especially the last two years. It's gotten even more so. Just stay home. Sit in your pajamas. Work that way. Don't like it? Get more money from sitting home in front of your laptop. I mean, hey, it's great. I'm not hating on it. I'm saying, though, that's our society. Be comfortable. Be yourself. Embrace you. But focusing on your personal comfort, I just want to tell you something. You'll never discover passion that way. I just want to tell you something, you'll never discover passion if you just focus on your comfort only. You know, for me, uh, that trip to New York, it was a lot of fun. But I was pretty nervous, you know, getting up to it. I booked the, I booked the helicopter ride. I, I, put it, I put it off for a couple months because I'm like, you know, do I really want to do this? Doors off, you know. And uh, I called my parents on the way. Yeah, we're going. But I'm kind of like in the back of my mind like, in case you never hear from me again, you know where I was today? <laughs> and we get, we, they pull up, they drive us to the helicopter. And I'm literally thinking to myself like, because they strap you up. They tell you if the helicopter goes down, what you have to do for safety. I'm like, we're, we would just die. We're not gonna. Like, I don't need to know this. And then so I'm like, you know, can I turn around? Is it too late? Like, like, did I really want to sign up for this? And I'm in the helicopter. I'm above every skyscraper in New York. We're higher than every skyscraper. He's going sixty miles an hour. He's flying. No doors. Like the wind is crazy. And like, literally, like I'm nerv- I'm I'm on the edge. So I'm like leaning in like this. And the helicopter starts to shift. And he's like, "Hey man, can you, you know, lean back the other way?" I'm like, ah, "Okay." <laughs> like, you know. It was scary, but man, I'm glad that I didn't just focus on my comfort. Oh yeah, Jeff Morris, Jeff, uh, he he heads up, he and Joe head up our media. When I saw Jeff the next day, he didn't even say uh, hi to me. He just said, what's wrong with you? (laughs) People die on that stuff. But man, it was a passion that I had that I finally got to fulfill. And I'm so glad, you know, I'd be sitting here saying, oh, I wish I did it. And anytime people see that picture, I'm like, yeah, I took it. You know, if you focus on your comfort, You're never going to discover passion inside. You'll never be enthusiastic about anything. And if you will uh, humor me for a moment, I actually think it could be the opposite way if you focus on your personal comfort. I think if your own comfort becomes your goal, you'll start to become miserable. I got a picture of, uh, I just Googled Netflix and chill. You know, that's it. If that's your goal in life is to Netflix and chill, like, like, you know, be showered up and in sweatpants and have some popcorn texting your friends. That's like the best part of your life. That's your goal is to be there as long as you can. You're going to be miserable because everything else in your life gets in the way of that goal. Your job, your relationships, right? Everything, everything in your life will get in the way of that. So you're going to start to be miserable anytime you're away from Netflix and chill, my personal comfort zone, if that's your goal in life. Comfort is supposed to be a solace, right? A a comfort away from the hardships of life, but it's not our goal in life. And it'll lead to dissatisfaction. If that's your personal goal, I mean, I think the older you get, the more you realize this, how things don't really satisfy. You know, There's a quote from Mike Cosper. He's a podcast host. I heard this the other day. He said, in the West today, we enjoy more leisure time than almost any other culture in world history. And we have more in terms of access of art and literature or mindless entertainment to keep us occupied. And yet our society has this kind of simmering dissatisfaction. And the podcast goes on to talk about how almost 30% of Americans say they don't have one close friend inside or outside of their family that they can share intimate secrets with. The more we focus on ourselves, the more lonely we become. They're actually calling this mass loneliness or modern loneliness. And again, I think the older you get, the more you begin to realize this. We spend most of our lives looking ahead, looking ahead, chasing the things that we don't have but once you start to get them you realize that they don't satisfy the way you thought it would when you finally get your diploma right you graduate or you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend you know beyond the honeymoon phase when you're now in a relationship with somebody or you finally you're finally married you know you buy a house yes independence or we have a child. That's where I'm at. Yeah, hey, we just had a child. Or, or uh, you know, you finally save up enough, which I don't know how much that is, but you, you get enough. Uh, you get enough money. You're finally, you're in your career, right? You know, you finally retire. Once you start to check these boxes off, you know, you realize how they don't actually satisfy you. You realize you're the same person underneath. I don't feel any different. I've arrived, but there's something in me that this isn't enough. And so Jesus, he already knew this. And he says, if you give up your life for my sake, you'll find it. He says, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? There's a dissatisfaction that comes when you focus on your comfort, and then ultimately it can lead to a despair. I don't want to be too dark. This is a series called Stay Positive. But, you know, when you, even if you could find some level of satisfaction in comfort in these types of things, you know, it can lead to despair because you think to yourself, well, you know, how long do I have to to have this? You know, one day it's all going to be gone. One day it's all going to go away. And then even in happy moments, you can't even enjoy it anymore because you start to think about it's not going to last. And As a uh, staff, we're we're reading through Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Amazing book, definitely recommend it. Mere Christianity. And C.S. Lewis had a quote. He talked about how Christianity does bring unspeakable comfort. That's what he says right before this. But then he says this. In religion, as in war and everything else, comfort is the one thing you cannot get by looking for it. If you look for truth, you may find comfort in the end. If you look for comfort... You will get neither comfort or truth, only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin with, and in the end, despair. And again, Jesus, he already knew this. He says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. That word lose, you'll lose it. It's about 90 times in the New Testament can be translated, you destroyed killed, utterly destroyed. It's done. It's like the harder you try to hang on, the more it's going to slip through your fingers. Jesus knows what he's talking about. And so how do I get my passion back? Focus on your calling rather than your comfort. Jesus says, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll find it. If you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Man, Whatever you do with your life, don't view it from a mere human point of view. That's what he says. View it from God's point of view. Know that your life is an eternal investment. That is how you can serve God with enthusiasm. That's how you can serve God with passion. He says if you give up your life for whose sake? Whose sake is it? It's for his sake, for the sake of Jesus, for the cause of Christ. If you live for the cause of Christ, you'll discover a passion and a purpose and an enthusiasm deep inside of you that you never knew was there. Why? Because it's not about what you do. It's about who you do it for. And a lot of people have been asking me, you know, hey, how's it going with the baby? Uh, uh, he's, uh, he's five weeks old now. I, I can't even believe it already. It's like five weeks is nuts. And everybody's like, how you sleeping, you know? And, uh, and I got to be honest, you know, before he was born, I was pretty nervous. I'm like, what am I going to do? Everyone's like, say goodbye to sleep. I'm like, well, how do you live as a human? You need to sleep. You know, I, how am I going to do this? And, and uh, you know, I, I, don't, um, I don't enjoy waking up in the middle of the night. I wouldn't pick it if I had an option, you know, like I, I'd rather sleep. Uh, The truth is, you know, I'm sleeping pretty good though. My wife, she's amazing and she does most of the overnight shifts, but I do sometimes too. We do switch off. And so I've been sleeping okay. But, you know, it's it's not like I love waking up. I love waking up at 3 a.m. and deciding at 5 a.m. if I'm going to go back to sleep or be up for the day now. You know, it's not that exciting. But it's not about what you do, it's who you do it for. I don't care because it's for my son, Noah. I can't even believe it. Like, I love him so much. It doesn't matter. You just, if you're a parent. You know how, the change that happens in you. You're like, oh, who cares? Like, whatever. I got to do what I got to do. And I'm, I'm doing it for my wife, Rebecca. I know she'll get a couple more hours in a row of sleep. So, okay, I'll get up. I'll feed him the bottle. I'll walk around with him. I'll, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not about what you do. It's who you do it for. So, how do I get my passion back? Focus on your calling rather than your comfort. You know, you can have a horrible job and still love it at the same time when you know that God is using it for His glory, right? When you're doing it for God, that's what Paul said in our opening verse, 1 Corinthians 15. My dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable, always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. If you're doing it for God, then you know it's not useless. It's an eternal investment. My life, I'm not viewing it from a mere human point of view. It's an eternal investment. And Paul said this. Paul was a guy who was mocked, who was beaten, who was left for dead because of his faith in Jesus. He was a guy who had a full-time calling But he worked a part-time job making tents. I can relate to that. I know what that feels like. And guess what? He's the guy who says, always work enthusiastically for the Lord. Because it's not about what you do, but who you do it for. Let's make it like youth group for a second. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not about what you do, but who you do it for. That's right. That's right. And in the passage with Jesus, you know, he had just given Peter a brand new calling. Hey, uh, you were known as Simon, but I will now call you Peter. On this rock, I will build my church. He gave Peter a new identity, a new calling. And he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Wow, that's amazing. But that means you're going to encounter the gates of hell, I guess. They're (laughs) going to come up. You're going to get that resistance. That doesn't sound fun. But hey, he knew his life was an eternal investment. He has a calling on his life. Jesus wanted to do something in him and through him. And so how about for you? What does Jesus want to do in you and through you? Focus on your calling rather than your comfort. I don't care if you're a teenager, if you're a student, if you're a young adult, if you're a parent. I don't care if you're retired. If you're not dead, God's not done with you. He has a calling for your life. Focus on your calling rather than your comfort. If you live for the cause of Christ, nothing you ever do nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. And one, I think, great perspective I want to highlight, too, is Sophia Amorski. Many of you know Sophia. Um, uh, she was up here a couple of weeks ago sharing about she has a burden and a, and a calling uh, to Haiti, the country of Haiti. And she talked about um, how she wanted to purchase motorcycle helmets and what kind of a difference that would make, and they'd have scripture verses on them, and, and she shared about that, and some of you gave towards that, and um, that was amazing. You know, so I asked her how it went. I was like, hey, how'd it go? She went down there for a few days, and she was telling me, well, you know, I, I, I did. I, I encountered resistance. You know, we had problems printing. We had problems shipping. It was almost like, I don't know, maybe the enemy didn't want me to, to do this. But I loved her perspective. She said, well, I must be doing something right. I guess, I guess God's going to use it <laughs> If I'm getting this kind of resistance, then God's going to use it, right? Nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Man, how do you have a passion and a calling? It's not just something you do. It's a posture of your heart. God can use anything in my life if I do it for him. And so how do I get my passion back? Focus on your calling rather than your comfort. We said enthusiasm is being filled with God. enthous filled with God. And so here's what I want to do with the rest of the message today. I want to give you... Three tips that have been a lot to me this last year especially, three mental shifts I think that we can make. If you say, okay, I hear you, I want to be filled with God, entheos, enthusiasm, whatever I do for the Lord, anything, right? I want to focus on my calling, okay. These are three mental shifts that I think can really help you to continue to draw near to God. Because the truth is, I think, especially the last two years with COVID, plus the election, plus uh, social injustice, so many issues that have happened, I think people have really moved to one of two extremes. Most people have, at least. You know, in the last couple of years, people have either moved a lot closer to God, they've become more God-focused, or people have become more self-focused, and that's what's natural. That's what our society's pushing you to do. You know, now delivering convenience. <laughs> but you know, some people drew closer to God. Some people decided to press deeper into His Word. They gave their fears and their anxiety. I talked to some Christians that pretended that they weren't afraid of anything. I'm like, okay, well, you must be a robot then, because seriously, the world's, the world's a little scary right now. But some people they pressed in. They said, God, I need more of your presence. Lord, speak to me through your word. And there are some Christians who started to encounter a deeper walk with God, a deeper sense of God's presence being with them because they came to him with their fears and anxieties. But there are others who listen to the worries of the world and it's natural and lost some of that passion, lost some of that enthusiasm, placed their hope in an election, placed their hope in a person, placed their hope in situations being, you know, different or fixed or changed. And now I know lots of people who are complacent, I mean, not just spiritually, just kind of in life. People with like zero motivation, you know, zero direction. You have even less direction than you used to before this whole thing started. Never mind your walk with God. And so if you want some of that passion, you want some of that calling, these are some things that I believe can help you to make this mental shift if you want to have this kind of enthusiasm. Here's the first one: Look back with gratitude. Here, or I'll give you all three real quick. Look back. look ahead and look around. These are the three things I want to give you. So the first one is to look back. Look back with gratitude. If you listen to society and you decide to be self-focused, I mean, you have nothing to be thankful for because everything's about your convenience and about your comfort and how they didn't deliver it on time, or this person disrespected me, or this waiter was annoying, or, you know, there's nothing to change about yourself because you just got to embrace who you are. There's nothing wrong with you. There's no changes to be made, and it's the rest of the world that has a problem. But that's not reality. Reality. We need to look back with gratitude. Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, we read 58, always work enthusiastically. Here's what he says right before that. Thank God. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. But thank God he gives us victory through, uh, through Jesus Christ over sin and death. Instead of complaining about everything in my life, instead of complaining about what I don't have, let me be thankful for what God has already given me. That's how I can now work enthusiastically for the Lord. The people that I've seen God use the most are usually people who are so grateful that, in, in like, in, 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 in somebody else's words, might be like, God even let me in the building, you know? Like, some people, it's like, I can't even believe God would use me. I'm so glad He would even include me, you know? Those are the kinds of people that I notice God seems to use the most. Those are the kinds of people who have the most kind of faith when you have that kind of gratitude. Man, and so how about you? Where has Christ given you the victory? Where has Christ given you victory already? I know we all got a list of things that we need right now from God, but what has God already given you? He's given you victory over sin and death. That's pretty awesome. That's something to be thankful for. That's something to have gratitude over. Thank you, God, that I'm not addicted to my sin anymore. Thank you, God, that I don't have to live to try to impress other people anymore. You freed me, Lord God. On Wednesday in the Bible study, Wednesday night Bible study, we we read from Hebrews, Jesus has freed us from the fear of dying. That's what Hebrews says, Hebrews chapter 2 He saved us, man. That's amazing. What has God given you freedom from? And here's why, too, this whole context of Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, he's talking about the resurrection of Jesus. That's how we can have this kind of gratitude. I mean, he says, if Christ hasn't been raised, your faith is useless. You're still guilty in your sins. In that case, anyone who died believing in Christ, they're lost. If our hope is in Christ for this life only, we're to be pitied more than anyone else in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He's the first of a great harvest of all who have died. And so if you want to focus on your calling, if you want to be filled with God, if you want to uh, have that enthusiasm, look back at the resurrection of Jesus. Know that the resurrection of Jesus is real. Know that the resurrection of Jesus is final. It is finished. Know that the resurrection of Jesus is enough. Look back with gratitude at what Jesus has already done for you if you want to be filled with that kind of gratitude. If you have lost your passion, look back with gratitude. And here's the next one. Look back with gratitude. Look ahead with hope. If you want to uh, focus on your passion, right? we said... um, You know, this is just another one for me that has become uh, more real for me, really, I think, during these last two years. This has become more real for me, where my hope has been looking ahead. You know, and if you want to be filled with passion, this is how you do it. Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 15 and and verse 20. Yeah, he says, in fact, Christ has been raised, raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, anyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. And uh, you see, I, I put a ber- verse from Peter in there. I don't want to leave Peter hanging. Jesus gave him a hard time earlier in that passage, but you see the change. Peter embraces, and he says, so prepare your minds for action. Exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Put all your hope in that. We said earlier, when you focus on your comfort, you'll be dissatisfied. You'll be miserable. It could even lead you to some despair. But when you put your hope in Jesus, it fills you with an enthusiasm. It fills you with a hope. When you know that you're not living for yourself anymore. You don't have to try to make the most of this life for yourself. It doesn't have to be about you anymore. When your life is an eternal investment, you can face anything. You can face a global pandemic. You can face somebody else voting for a different president than you. You can face anything that this world has when you look ahead with hope. And so as a Christian where is your hope? Where is your hope? Where have you placed your hope? You can place it in some things. They're false hopes. They're not going to deliver for you. As a Christian, you can place your hope in an election. You can place your hope in an individual. You could place your hope in a career. You could place your hope in a relationship. I've seen lots of people do it those things they're not going to satisfy they're not going to fill you if you want to have spiritual passion and enthusiasm then place your hope in Jesus in the future resurrection and what he's going to do there's a hope that we have in him and this is another verse I want to share this is the kind of hope that we have when we're going through something dark when we're going through something difficult and enthusiasm seems a little far away this is the hope that believers have christians all through generations have understood this. Christians have always looked ahead at the better life that Jesus will give us. Revelation 21:4, He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, or sorrow, or crying, or pain. All these things are gone forever. Thank you, Lord, for the hope you give us. That fills you with enthusiasm. So look ahead, look back, look ahead, and here's the last one, look around. Look around with mission. Look around with mission. If you want to be filled with enthusiasm and passion, focus on your calling. And I'm going to tell you something. I believe that this is where most Christians, that I know at least, most Christians, this is the area that they struggle with. Most Christians I know, it seems like they have zero sense of mission. Zero sense of purpose. You know, you, you you can be thankful for what God did for you. Thank you, God, for saving me. You can look ahead with hope. God, thank you. I'm going to go to heaven one day. And it kind of becomes almost like an insurance in a way. All right, I'm so glad I won't be at the bad place. But it's still kind of, it can still be about you. And so you need to look around with mission if you want to have enthusiasm. When you're thankful for what God has done and you know your life is an eternal investment. Colossians 3.23, another verse by Paul, it says, Work willingly at whatever you do, knowing that whatever you do for the Lord, oh, yeah, working for the Lord, not for human masters. Work willingly at whatever you do, or uh, the NASB says work heartily for whatever you do. That word, work hearted, heartily, work willingly, it's the same word that Jesus uses when he says, when you give up your life for me, you'll find it. It's the Greek word psyche, your soul your life your inner self everything work psyche work with work with your psyche at anything you do for the lord if you give up your psyche for me you will find it it's the same word i love how the niv translate it whatever you do work at it with all your heart if you throw your psyche into it, if you throw your life into it, if you do it for God with all of your heart, you will find that purpose inside of you. You will discover the passion and the enthusiasm that God has placed inside of you if you do it with all your heart. Whatever you do, work heartily for the, wor- for the Lord. And so my question for you then is, whatever are you doing? <laughs> whatever you do. Do it with all your heart for the Lord. So, what do you do? What do you do with your life? You know, right now, do you find yourself? Are you a barista? Are you a sales associate? A husband, a wife? A brother or a sister? A parent, a grandparent? A student, a board member? a business owner, a bookkeeper, a Christian? What are you doing with your life? And what would it look like for you to do it with all your heart? If you do it that way, as unto the Lord, you'll find an enthusiasm and a purpose. Don't just skate by with your life. Paul says nothing you do is ever useless. And uh, Pastor Bonnie, I want to invite you to come up front. You could get some music behind us as we close. I want to share this story, and I got permission to share this. just want to make sure I uh, shared it in the right way. But I think one amazing example of this is um, our life groups, every semester, they do some type of community project or community outreach. We want to be able to be a blessing to the community in one way or another. It might be uh, homeless shelter, food bank, um, lots of ways and a lot of times it may be a personal connection you know, it might be somebody that you know is going through something and so one of our life groups they were meeting and they became aware of a need, he was connected to somebody in the group that this person had recently been diagnosed with cancer and so what what a diagnosis, there are people here in this room that know what that is like you know, to experience that, that I don't know if words can describe that and so they became aware of this need, and, uh, you know, they wanted them to know, hey, we're praying for you. They invited them to the Bible study a couple times, and, and they came out. It was great. And so when it came time, they're like, hey, what are we going to do as a group? They decided, hey, uh, let's, let's try to do something for, for this guy. You know, we've been saying we pray for him. We want to do something for him. He had just started doing some chemotherapy. So they were like, hey, let's, um, let's pitch in for his hospital bills, you know. And I love what one of the guys said. He, he was like, hey, and, you know, make sure it hurts a little bit. Like, don't just throw a 20 in. Let, let's sacrifice because we want to give something of value to him. And so they did. And, uh, you know, you could feel like, well, what's that really going to do? I mean, how much it's, it's like a drop in the bucket, right, of hospital bills. How is that going to really make a difference? It's a nice gesture, I guess. You could feel that way. But they collected the money and they presented it to the individual and he was absolutely floored that they would even do that for him. They would actually think of him, collect money and they say, hey, we're still praying for you and we love you and, and we just want you to know that's why we did just so you know that. We care about you. And so you fast forward a couple months through some more rounds of chemotherapy and through a lot of prayer. He ended up being in remission He's got the all clear. He's cancer-free now. And in less than a year, it's a pretty incredible story. And he's attending a church right now with his family. And I'm told he sometimes even checks out our stream. And so, dude, if you're watching, man, it's, that's an amazing story that I'm, I'm so glad that I can share. The supernatural way that God moved in your life, that's seriously incredible. And thank you for letting us share that. And I want to celebrate what God does supernaturally. And I want to celebrate what God does through you when you decide to do something unto the Lord. Our life groups, that, hey, that group, they just said, we're going to do this for God. We want to show this guy we love him. Nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless if you do it for him. And so I want to invite you to stand to your feet as we close out this morning. So how do you get your passion back? Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. Right, You get your passion back by focusing on your calling rather than your comfort. You know, your personal comfort as a goal, that's not going to satisfy. Focus on your calling rather than your comfort. So we said look back with gratitude at the resurrection of Jesus. Look ahead with hope at the eternal hope we have as Christians and look around with mission. What does God do? Uh, want to do in you and through you. He is a calling on your life. And we said enthusiasm, the word it means entheos, to be filled with God. I want to end with this verse with you today Ephesians 3. May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you will be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Enthusiasm being filled with God. Lord, would you fill us again? Fill us, Lord, with your spirit. Fill us with yourself, with your presence, Lord God, that we would be filled with enthusiasm and passion as we focus on the eternal calling you've placed on our lives, God, knowing that our lives are an investment in eternity thank you, God, that you give us unspeakable comfort with the hope that we have in you. And so that means when I'm going through something difficult, God, there is a hope and a comfort and a mission and a purpose I can have when I live for you. every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to give you this last chance. I want to pray with you before we head out of here today. If you're here today and you know, you hear this message today, you say, I want to be filled with the presence of God. I want to be filled with that kind of enthusiasm we're talking about. If that's you, I just want to pray for you today. Can you raise your hand? If you say, that's me, I want to have that spiritual passion that scripture talks about. That's awesome. Hands all over the room. And if I want to I give you another opportunity if you uh, are here today and you're going through something difficult. You say, Matt, I love the Lord. I know that he moves in my life, but it's, it's just tough knowing that I have this health issue. Knowing with what's going on in my family, it's difficult right now to have passion or enthusiasm. If that's you, can you raise your hand too? I want to see you because I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you. I know it's not always easy to have that kind of passion. Thank you raising your hands and if you're here today and you've never prayed a prayer to be filled with God to invite God into your life and you want to do that today can you raise your hand so I can see you today if that's you you've never invited Jesus into your life but you want to live with that kind of passion and purpose here's what I want to do I want to pray for you but first I want you to pray for yourself if you raised your hand You want to be filled with passion. Look back with gratitude. Look ahead with hope. Look around with mission. As Pastor Bonnie plays, let's take one minute now and pray for what you're going through. If you're going through something difficult, God, fill me right now, Lord. God, you know what I need from you. You know how I'm hoping that you move in my life. But God, my hope is in you. Thank you for your presence you've already given me. Thank you, God, for the victory you've already given me. Lord, you've already given us victory over sin and death. Thank Him right now. Thank Him for the victory He's given you. Thank you, Lord. Thank Him for what else He's given you victory over in your life a situation, an addiction, a miracle in your family. Thank him for the victory he's given you in the past. You can look back with gratitude. Thank you, Lord God. Now begin to talk to him about the hope, the hope that you have, the future hope that you have, that Jesus is coming again, that we will live again, that this life is not the end. Speak to him about that now. If you're struggling with your faith, just tell him that right now. God, fill me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. And now ask him to open your eyes about the purpose he has for you. We all have something we're facing right now. Some it's harder than others. I know what some of you guys are going through. I don't know what everyone's going through. But ask him, Lord, help me to look around with mission right now. I know my life's an investment, God. Even if it's hard, how can I live for you? How can I do this with all of my heart? Maybe you're not happy with your circumstance. You're not happy with the status you're at in life right now. All right, but God, what do you want to do through me? Ask him, Lord, open my eyes. Help me to see. being with us, Lord God. Pastor Bonnie, can you just lead us in one chorus?
1: Breathe on me, holy one, and come reveal your wonder now. And open wide my eyes to see there's so much more so much more, Jesus, you are where.
0: Thank you for giving us the victory over sin and death, Lord God. We know that living for you is the most exciting thing we can do with our lives, Lord. We don't believe the lies that living for you is lame, that living for you is unexciting or limiting, Lord God. And so I pray for all of my friends here, God, that we could live enthusiastically for you, living with passion and purpose, focusing on our calling, Lord God for everybody in the room God who needs a healing touch from you who needs you to move Lord God I'm thankful that you do move I'm thankful for your presence that you move supernaturally in our lives God we ask that you do move in those situations make yourself known now Lord but help us to walk out of here today knowing that there's a mission and a purpose for each of us help us to look ahead with hope as we live out today we thank you God we praise you We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.